was almost exactly a month ago. We talked with Michael Purvis from Tallback, and we told us it was time to get tactically bullish and specifically fade fall. What a great call. Let's bring him back in, joining us ahead of the holiday, CEO of Tallback and Capital Advisors. Mike, uh, a great uh, instinct uh, analysis last time. Uh, you nailed the big drop in VIX. So what do we do now? Well, look, here we are in the middle of uh, Turkey Week. Uh, fall should be pretty low this week. Um, you, you know, you made a point in your earlier segment about the dollar actually getting a little weaker, even though some of the data suggested should be stronger. And I think that's a little bit of a tell here that that some of this lower vol uh, bullish risk um, asset dynamic may have um, a little bit more to go here. Um, you know, the big week catalyst wise is, is the second week of December when you, of course, you get the Fed and you get uh, CPI um, there. So, you know, from a very tactical trading perspective, I'll probably be closing out this uh, this shortfall trade uh, sometime next week, I'm guessing, there, because you just never know um, uh, there. But I think there's a broader point here, and one of the reasons why I went to this shortfall piece back in the middle of October was, was uh, you know, really is that, you know, the Fed has been out there, you know, from Jackson Hole sort of hawking it up as much as they can. And if they start sensing the markets are getting a little um, uh, too bullish, um, you know, uh, they kind of come back and try to dock you on the, on the uh, wrap the market on the knuckles. But that wrapping in the knuckles is a little bit less significant. It has a little bit less impact every time they do it, it seems like. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, that's one factor to consider. The other thing that I've really been following here is just the technicals on the 10-year Treasury yield there. They have been um, really not supporting the bear case, meaning, you know, yields going higher and higher and higher. They've been really sort of, um, you know, over the last six weeks, they've really been developing in a much more uh, treasury price bullish yields lower condition there and i think that you're starting to see that more and more and i think that may you know again is another key factor in why your dollar is not you know getting strong here um yes. uh, off those uh off those strong durable numbers we just got so you are looking for a little bit more juice to squeeze out of the short vol uh, a trade. Uh, I mean, to use a poker term here, you're going for value, extreme thin value, Mike. It doesn't look to me like VIX goes below 20. Uh, so you're looking for that that last piece. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe being a little greedy here in a sense, but I really do think the, set, <laughs> the stage is set here. Um, by the way, the VXX, an ETF that tracks the VIX, that made a year today, actually made a lifetime, but a, a you know, a, yeah. a low yesterday, and and really a you know, a, it, it, it's it's it's. I'm not saying the VIX is going to 15 here. What I'm saying here is, is that I think there's a good chance we could grind lower into the 17, 18, 19. Uh, mm, wow. But yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, Oliver. From a trade discipline point of view, you don't want to be too greedy. It's been, you know, I I, I went out with us when the VIX spot was 31 and a half um, there. What, one thing is that, you know, I was using the VIX January contract, which had a big hefty premium in it, as it frequently does, uh, because people like to get protection into year end uh, there. And so that last bit of the of that January contract, it's, you know, that that premium in that contract will take a little bit more time to fade um, over the you know sort of Christmas holidays there uh, to let's realize again I'm not going to play for that um, I think on this given the catalyst I mentioned in the second week of December but mm -hmm. um, you know I still think that there's a good chance that uh, you know we could get you know a good four points lower in spot here wow um, okay
That'd be big. Uh, that would yeah. be uh, the lowest uh, all year, basically, if we can get down below 20, maybe yeah. one other time earlier in the spring. It, does it look like folks are getting in alongside the trade with you, Mike? Is there any obvious uh, shift in positioning looking at uh, open interest or put call skew, the things that I know you track every week? Yeah, well, you know, the put call skew is really interesting because that's been incredibly low here. Um, and normally when put call skew, by the way, tail skew, which is you know the difference between far out of the money crash protection and at the money um, implied volatilities, um, that's been low as well uh, there. But you know, one thing that, uh, uh, and the chart you're just posting here, that's the difference between you know puts and calls there. And you can see that it's been really you know trending you know really pretty low this year. But um, that's not because of the lack of puts. It's because there's been a huge bid for calls mm. um, there because a lot of people are saying, hey, look, you know, we all know bearish positioning is very strong. You know, we have a very uh, bearishly positioned uh, overall market condition with a lot of upside surprises here. In fact, if you look throughout this year, the average up move um, is bigger, noticeably bigger than the average down move through this year. And the biggest move of the year is not a down move. It's the up uh, it's the up move. So in, in a way, it's like the 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 elevator uh, the elevator up and the staircase down type of dynamic, the opposite of what you <laughs> normally expect. So I think anyway, you know, look, traders are playing with calls um, to to grab this upside, and I think that actually, in a weird way, it, it kind of speaks to this the, this condition that given that these you know there's so much two-way volatility and there's so many unknowns here it actually i think creates a more stable market than had investors come in and just plunged into these rallies with um with with equities as opposed to options if you lose some premium in a you know buying s p upside uh that's you know that's not fun but it's certainly not tragic if you Overcommit with with, uh, with 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 cash equities into your end, and then the market rolls over on you. That I think creates a more um, uh, volatile market condition. And the puts, you know, like again, the you know put open interest has been climbing steadily um, um, this year. It's really just the surge in calls that are sort of driving that put call skew and the put call ratios into these low levels. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there, so uh, there's a big distinction between an, uh, a lack of puts and um, sort of uh, and what that means for the markets versus you know whether some calls end up not paying here. So I think I think we're you know the market that's a, one more facet where I think you could actually help support the case for a market melt up into your end here. And by the way, that doesn't mean the market stays. <laughs> and that whatever uh, condition that exits the year at, I think I think we're not out of the woods yet. There's a there's a there's an important story of two-way volatility that's likely to persist well into next year. It's fascinating to see that uh, it, whether it's uh, a huge amount of call buying coming in or just the general interest in puts throughout the bear market, that no matter the situation, the combined volume yep. open interest continues to rise. So options uh, really just driving so much of the action here, uh, still in the wake of all the uh, trading boom from COVID. Yeah. So to the point, Mike, about the potential uh, to uh, still see weakness in the market, to not get hung up on higher prices, low vol for too long. Is that just the potential that the same forces come back into play? We do get rates going higher, or are we shifting to now where the next threat could be more about 
economic recession or something wild card like the Bitcoin stuff that uh, blew up, which you also made a really nice trade on when you told us it was going to go to 15. Yeah, well, we're not quite at 15, but we're getting, we getting there. Um, uh, there. Um, you know, look, I, I don't look at the Bitcoin or the FTX situation as really at all systemic. I think it's been, um, you know, even if you look at the correlation on the, the big FTX day, a week ago when the news was really breaking, um, you know, you, you saw a little bit of tick-to-tick -tick correlation with things like ARKK, where it's sort of first cousin, if you will, there. But basically, the you're not really, I don't think there's really a, a systemic or, or contagion story there from, from Bitcoin. There probably are some long-term time bombs um, someplace on some specific company's balance sheets or something like that. But I don't really look at that as sort of a market driver here. Okay. I think it's it, it's 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 a little bit of a isolated idiosyncratic to that asset class situation uh, uh, there. But look, I think the broader story here is is that we still have an extraordinarily dynamic um, Fed here, where 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 they are um, haven't been afraid to surprise. Uh, to the market because the inflation prints have not have have of course been surprising to the upside so they they have you know throwing 75 basis point hikes at us is something they've been doing now i don't think they're doing 75 in december or or i doubt, I doubt they'll do another 75 that you know for a very long period of time with that said we're still in a you know a very um the, the range of uncertainties um for just simply you know the key questions you need to ask as to where the 10-year interest rate is really likely to settle out here um you know there's so much volatility within inflation metrics that that it's gonna you know it's gonna be a very noisy confusing landscape for a while and it doesn't mean uh, it doesn't mean powell's necessarily doing anything exactly wrong it just means that Whatever he does will be will be greeted with a with with a, with a long resounding chorus of policy error from, from some from some camp, right? Because it's just simply the nature of that beast that that he is you know doing what he thinks is best. But the, the chances for him to make a policy error are just simply very very high, and that applies to probably most central banks around the world. And as that ha happens, I think you're just dealing with a lot of um, uh, sort of. Uh, known unknowns and unknown unknowns um, that are going to keep risk premia elevated um, into next year. Um, mm. And I think, you know, one of the features, um, uh, you know, is that, of course, you know, the recession argument um, has been really um, sort of, a, you know, it's been made because the inversion of the yield curves, it's been made because, of course, you know, you're going to start seeing a you know, an economy um, starting to melt down because of uh, higher input costs and stagflation and so forth. But all those arguments have really been sort of speculative, right? And they, they we, we still have PMIs in the 50s. We still have, you know, durable goods numbers that continue to beat sure. expectations. Um, the Citibank economic surprise indices are Positive. doing, you know, better than a, like a lot of people would think. And earnings are not great, but they're not horrible, right? I mean, the whole earnings rollover story, again, is um, a little bit refuted by key market uh, participants, uh, key, key companies like Deere, as you just were discussing. Um, there, so I, I think there's a there's a my view is that there's a there's a lot of um, it's a sort of a high nominal GDP world we're looking at in 2023 with a, in, 
within that world, it's it's a little bit chaotic, and there's some recessionary things, and then there's some you know there's there's going to be some some boom times things like you're seeing in, in energy, where right. you know I think you're still going to have to have a very constructive stance on energy, but you know it's not every day that Google complains about ad spend, right? I think that was the first time they've they've done that. Uh, if I memory serves on their last quarter there, so there's a lot of shifting pieces within the economy, but doesn't have to spell you know, sort of a massive earnings contraction at the index level of 20% or 15%, as some of the bears are talking about. Okay. Um, nor does it have to mean a, a, a hard landing, um, but it doesn't mean that the uncertainty is gonna go away either. So right. so the, the economy may be, in my view, a little bit better than, than a lot of bears contend that it will, but the markets are still going to be pretty, I think, chaotic and, <laughs> and a lot of two-way volatility and a lot of getting the sector calls and the stock calls right at the right time. And, okay. and you know, it's very much a trader's market. All right, well, we'll uh, keep you uh, giving us the heads up before some of these big swings. Uh, really good stuff this year. Uh, Mike, if we don't see it before the end of the year, you've been spot on on some of the really crucial moments, turning points, and those specific themes, not just the big, broad stuff. So really appreciate you coming on, as always. Thanks, Oliver. Have a great Thanksgiving. Sure thing. You too. Mike Purvis, the CEO of Tallback and Capital Advisors, still looking to squeeze some more out of that short vol trade with a possible sub-20 level.